0: At our Father's house, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Brandon. Praise the Lord everybody. All right, get your Bibles out. Let's get straight into the word. Can I have about 30 minutes? Well, you ain't got no choice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just thought it was polite to ask. Uh, man, what a presence of Jesus in this place, hey, amen? There's a little bit of a, re- I mean, I have a reverence right now for the Spirit of God, and I'm very nervous uh, being up in my heart, it's going pretty crazy. But I told Wanda she should have just preached, because I think that was a word from the Lord. And it just confirmed uh What God is trying to speak to us today. Uh, So prepare your heart and your mind to receive from the Spirit of God. Let's pray real fast. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you that it is your pleasure, Father, to be here with us. God, I pray over the Word. I ask you, Spirit of God, that this Word may come out without hindrance, Father, I pray that you prepare the hearts of each and every person. Spirit of God, begin to till the soil of the heart. To implant the seed of this word. That it may produce much fruit in our lives. Father, we come against the adversary that may try to steal the word. Even now, in the name of Jesus. We pray that you anoint it, Father. That you release it and that it may bring back much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would turn uh, your Bibles to... Exodus 24, and we'll start with verse nine through eighteen. I'm going to keep it short. The preaching out of two chapters, the narrative is pretty long. Uh, but I'm gonna—I never, when I was in Bible college, I never liked being on those preachers who read two chapters before they started preaching. So I'm not—I'm not going to do that to you. So let's just go off of build a foundation, and then we'll go off of there. And I pray that you receive. So. Exodus 24, verse 9. Then Moses went up with Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God. And they ate and they drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and remain there. And I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders, he said, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. And the glory of the Lord rested, everybody say rested, on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Pay attention here on verse 17. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I, 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 built, I built that foundation off of there because I just want to lay a foundation to what I believe Really translates to the church at this time. And when I, today I'm gonna be using the term the church a lot, so don't get offended, all right? I'm not talking about this church specifically, I'm just talking about the body of Christ, whether you're Methodist, Baptist, you know, Catholic, whatever you are, the church. I believe the church is in the middle of their own Sinai moment. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. So this is what happens. We all know, I was just shocked by when I was reading this, the fact that they saw God. They saw the glory of the Lord. They saw what was under his feet, a pavement made of sapphire, made a clear as the sky by itself. If you read in Exodus chapter 20, the Lord begins to give instructions against idols. And specifically, he told Israel this, you shall not make any idols made out of gold. You probably know where I'm headed to here in just a moment. And in Exodus chapter 20, in chapter 24, the Bible says that they renewed their covenant with God. And all of Israel said, we will do the things that you have commanded us to do. And we shall obey. And in a span of 40 days, in the, in the terms of Matthew Henry, uh, if you read his commentary, he basically says, Israel played the harlot. In 40 days... From the moment they made a covenant with God, 40 days later, they were chasing after other lovers. So in verse, and and, and I say that because Sister Wanda hit it on the head. With our mouth, we say we belong to him. But with our hearts, we're far away from him. And And it might strike a chord with us when we say that, but it's the truth. Just ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and he will begin to highlight things that basically prove what we just finished saying. So in Exodus 32, this is what happens. The Bible says, when the people saw that Moses had delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled to Aaron and said to him, come, make us a God who will go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. That is a type of Christ. Moses is a type of Christ. The Bible tells us that Moses did not know how long he was going to be on the mountaintop. He didn't know he was going to be up there 40 days and 40 nights. But this is what Moses was up there for. He was appearing in the presence of God on Israel's behalf. If you read uh, between chapter 24 and chapter 32 of Exodus, you begin to see everything that God was releasing to Moses. Uh, the tabernacle and, and the priestly garments and uh, the table of shoe bread and everything that was going to be for the benefit of the forgiveness of Israel's sin. He was being released that unto him. It was being released unto him in those chapters, right? So the Bible says that Moses was in God's presence on behalf of Israel. He didn't know how long he was going to be up there. And what did they begin to say? They began to murmur and they began to get uncomfortable in the time that they were having to wait. God never called us to be weary in our waiting. Weariness in our waiting and murmuring in our waiting can lead to great temptation and can lead to great sin. We begin to replace... What we have witnessed and what we have seen with things that are unholy, yet we call holy. The Bible tells us, I mean, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but they got tired of waiting on the promise of God. A fast food Christianity, I want it now. I do not know how to wait in a season for what God wants me to do. That's why sometimes when you, find you see yourself with things going wrong left and right, my question to you is, have you been impatient and that you, did you step out of the covering of God? The Bible tells us that Abraham, he's the greatest example. He said, you shall have a child even at your own age. And I'm telling you, he tried. I mean, the story just messes me up. Sarah was like, I'm too old. I'm never going to have a kid. Here's my servant. And Moses was like, okay. I mean, uh, Abraham was like, sure, why not? I procreate with her and bring the promise. And that was never meant to be. If one man had just waited for the obe- in obedience for the promise of the Lord, honestly, Israel would never have the problems they are having currently in the nation, currently in the world. Our, our decisions to walk in disobedience and not to wait on what God has promised can have results that are outside of our own selves. It can have results that affect more. It can affect generation to generation. That's why when God showed his presence to Moses, he said, I am one who visits the sin from generation to generation. It's in the word. So they got weary of waiting. They got weary of waiting and they said, make us gods that will go before us. They were trying to accomplish the original purpose that God intended for them to accomplish without the author who created it. You're not able to accomplish anything in your life without the Lord. We've all tried it and we have all miserably failed. God's purpose of us waiting is to teach us something. To teach us perseverance. To, te- to, to build character within us. Do you think that anything that you ever go through catches God by surprise? No. Everything that you encounter in your life, God knows about it. He's allowed it to happen. So this is what happened. And, and this is where I feel where the church is at. The church is getting weary. Getting weary and waiting because just like Moses was on the mountain, on the Mount of Glory, on the Mountain of Sinai, Jesus is in the Mount of Glory at this moment. Just as Moses was appearing before the Prince of God for Israel, Jesus is before the Father in intercession for us. Just as Moses didn't know how long he was going to be on the mountain, scripture tells us that not even the sun or the angels know how long it shall be before he returns. And just like they began to murmur what happened to this Moses, where is he at? Uh, build us gods that will go before us. Second Peter tells us that unbelievers and even some Christians will begin to say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? i went I went home with my mom to see my mom for thanksgiving and and i 've always had this thing against her playing around and she thinks that i haven 't forgiven her but has anybody especially us older people I'm, and i 'm not even all out old, but i 'm saying has anybody ever heard of a baby book where your mom keeps your first tooth and your first hair clipping and your first picture of you being naked in the bathtub? You know what i 'm talking about i don 't know if you know Younger generations have that. But I've always held her against my mom that she never made me one. And she finally told me why when I went to Texas. She's like, I thought Jesus was coming the next day. That's what my mom said. They drilled it so much into our head. He's coming. He's coming. He will return as, 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 like a thief in the night. And and even though I started laughing, I said, well, that's the reason why. So I guess I have Jesus to blame, but I ain't trying to get struck by lightning. So I didn't tell him anything, but I'm just like, what happened to, to, to preaching the last part of the gospel? Jesus is coming. The Lord is returning. Scripture says that he shall return in the clouds and every eye shall see him, even those who pierced him. We preach grace, which is awesome. We preach the love of God, which is awesome. We preach the redemption of our sins and the redemption of our souls. But we forget to preach that in the twinkling of an eye, the trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we shall meet the Lord in the air. He's coming. He's coming, and the church better get ready. The church better stop playing the harlot. Seeking after other lovers. Because you know what scripture says? The Bible says that when they were in the middle of their celebration. When they were in the middle of celebrating a feast for that golden calf. Moses suddenly came down from the mountain. And caught them in their sin. And something tells me that the church is, is, is doing whatever they want to do. They, they, they the, Aaron allowed the children of Israel to replace The image of an ink, the glory of an incorruptible God with the image of a calf. How much has a church been doing that? One hour services. Right? You're not allowed to sing more than 10 minutes. You're not allowed to say Holy Ghost or sin or Jesus in the pulpit. All for to make it a, a seeker friendly message. People walk in through, through these doors dealing with depression, pornography, suicide, broken marriages, broken children, and they come to a place where that's supposed to be a place of healing, to be told, to be given Skittles and cotton candy, and they're sent out, bound in chains, still depressed, still suicidal, because they never even encountered the anointing that breaks the yoke. We have replaced the glory of an incorruptible God for a lie. That is the gospel. And here's what gets me. Aaron is a representation of the church. When they told him, make the calf for us, this man was in charge of the government while Moses was gone. Not once did he say, let's talk about this for a moment. Let's talk about the sin of idolatry that you're entering into just 40 days after you promised the Lord that you would be obedient to his commands. Wait a minute. This ain't right. No, no, no. That didn't happen. He felt the pressure of public opinion in the church. And he said, I'm not going to be the one to deal with this. Give me your earrings. And he created a golden calf for them. How many in the church are going through that right now that because you have board members that try to puppeteer the pastor or you have church leadership that tries to run the church with the true gospel of Jesus Christ, is not coming out the way it should be. And again, I'm not talking about this church. I'm not saying that I'm going to get to the point of, well, then what are you trying to tell us, Brandon? I'm trying to get you back to prayer. To pray that the church may be awakened. To pray that lost souls may come to encounter Jesus. Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I don't know if you receive the urgency in my voice. But he can come in the next five minutes. We do not know. And your heart better be ready before the Father. You better be a spotless bride without wrinkle or without blemish. Because in a moment, all the world can be turned upside down. I, 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 I even check myself, afraid. Why am I not worried that Jesus is coming? Why am I not living in, 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 in a, a uh, uh, not, I'm not going to say apocalyptic, apocalyptic type of life. I'm talking about why am I not living knowing that Jesus can come at any moment? Because if Jesus can come at any moment, that means we don't have enough love for people who are lost. We don't have enough desire in our hearts to tell people, hey, Jesus loves you and he can set you free. You know what that's called? That's called religion, being complacent and being comfortable. Go back to the day that you were walking in sin. Somebody cared about you enough to tell you the good news. And we sit in our church pews like, well, I'm saved and all that. That's all that matters. This self-righteousness that we get, that the souls don't matter anything to us. Jesus did not call us to be static while we were waiting for his return. That's why, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of untapped power sitting in this church. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, but for what reason? To talk in tongues? To say, yes, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just sitting Without using the power that God has called us to use for signs and wonders and for the gifts of the spirit to be released unto those who need it the most. So the Bible says that Aaron was the one who created this calf for them. And they proclaimed, this is the God who brought us out of Israel, who brought us out of Egypt. They served the calf, they threw a feast for the calf, and they began to worship the calf. And this is, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when Moses came down, he, he crushed the calf into powder. He mixed it with water, and he made them drink it. And the Bible says that he began to say, who is on the Lord's side? And the Levitical priesthood went by his side, and 3,000 people were slain that day. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 that those of us who overcome shall become kings and priests unto the Lord. Those of us who overcome, those of us who make it unto the end will be with the Lord forever, ruling and reigning. But that day has not come yet. And there is a harvest field full of souls that don't know Jesus. And the church is taking a break. When people are dying, the Bible tells us that hell enlarges its borders on a daily basis. Hell enlarges its borders on a daily basis and we sit by so idly with not even a single tear. Where is the burden for souls nowadays? Where is the burden? You know, we come in here and we worship the Lord and I'm all for that. But we're only doing half of what God has called us to do. But you don't know, Pastor Brandon, I'm not, I'm not that type of way. I don't know how to talk to people one on one. Moses was a stutterer and the Lord was with him. Where is the desire to see a harvest? Where is the vision to see a harvest of souls filling this place? I'm pretty tired of a, of a saved church hearing the good news on a daily basis. That gets pretty annoying. How many times do you need to get saved? How many times do you need to hear the good news that Jesus died for your sins? We know it's called get off the milk and get into the meat and do a little bit of spiritual maturity by getting into the word. Come on. That's what it's called. The Lord has called each and every one of us to not be weary and static and waiting for him. Because he's coming. He's coming. If that doesn't, if that itself doesn't make you begin to think about your future. Or does not make you think about what you need to do for God. I pray that the Holy Spirit just wrecks your life today. And begins to show you the urgency. You know that the Bible says that the bride and the spirit should pray come. You know what I feel is happening right now. Stay a little longer. Stay. I got too much. Too much planned for my future. Too much play. I just became a, a, a doctor. I just became a lawyer. I just became a pharmacist. I, I'm about to go to school. Can you hold off just a little bit? Pastor preached a couple weeks ago that we are citizens of heaven, that this is not our final resting place. This is not our home. There's no reason for us to ask the Lord for revival or awakening if we don't have a heart for the lost. There's no reason. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop praying for revival. Stop praying for awakening. And if your heart is not burdened, knowing that somebody down the road in Middlesboro was just killed a couple weeks ago at such a young age. Where was that person, that friend, to tell him, hey, Jesus loves you. He has a freedom waiting for you. Some of our, our young people are basketball players and cheerleaders, and you look at that as an occupation, just an, as an extracurricular activity, when God has given that to you as a platform yeah. Yeah. to witness yeah. to people. Yeah. Some of those are nurses and nurse practitioners and pharmacists in here. God has placed you in that position as a platform. I know, you got, I know you have uh, rules and ethics that you have to go through. I get that. But in your mind, as that person's coming for depression medication, you can be praying to the Holy Ghost, asking the Lord, deliver that person from depression yeah. and suicide. Yeah. I know this might not be popular in a hoo-ha, I'm going to shout and all this stuff. But listen, God, Jesus is coming. Yeah, right. Jesus is coming. Yeah. It can happen today. It can happen tomorrow. We don't know. We don't know. From one moment, we can be translated from experience his presence here to being in his presence in front of him. Jesus is coming. We have to make sure that our hearts are ready. Examine our hearts and say, Listen, what's going on? Holy Spirit, show me. Show me who I really am. I may be fake. I can act like I have it all together in front of you. And sadly, because the spirit of discernment is not in the church, nobody will tell the difference. Nobody can tell the difference. But the Holy Spirit is one person you cannot lie to. And I guarantee you that if you ask the Spirit of God, show me my heart. i rather hear... I'd rather hear words of repentance on a Sunday basis and know that I am constantly checking my heart. Making sure that I am pure before the Lord. Then hear every other kind of message about my abundant harvest this and the 12 keys to all this other stuff. No, all I'm worried about is that when the Lord uses the key of my heart to search my heart, it's pure before him. him, We get so far away. And the sad thing is that when Jesus returns, I believe a lot of the church will be caught off guard. Just like Moses came down from the mountain, suddenly Jesus is going to return on a sudden basis. And that's where the scripture says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus is coming. Let go of your offenses. Jesus is coming. Let go of your desire to be right because Jesus is coming. Let go of your addictions to whatever you're addicted to and don't act like you're not because the Lord knows Jesus is coming. If you're not saved in this place, be free from that burden of sin because Jesus is coming. I believe today can be the day of salvation for people that don't know Jesus and today can be a day of deliverance for church members who have been serving the Lord for one year to 60 years. Repentance always brings a refreshing of his presence. Jesus is coming. And that might not be a popular thing to say, but I don't want to be like Aaron and put my stamp of approval upon things that are not holy just because I'm afraid of people's opinions. I decided to make a decision in my heart that I'm going to call out what is not of God and stick to the word of God regardless. Regardless if it costs me jobs or friends or anything. I don't care. You need to know the truth. Your lifestyle is not what God has intended for you to live. He wants you free. He wants you to experience joy in the Holy Spirit, which is the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming. And I pray that becomes an urgency in your spirit. Worship team, you can come up. I'm done. I pray that the Holy Spirit even now begins to release the urgency of the Lord's coming in your heart. It's no longer about wanting to be big ministers and wanting to be popular and all this stuff. That's all good, but you know what? Jesus is coming. I want to take as many souls as I can with me. I want to take as many souls as I can with me. What, it would be so sad if I. If the Lord has blessed me with a teaching position and the Lord returns and not one of my students who isn't saved would be next to me. That would be such a loss. I don't care if the state says you can't say anything. Forget the state. Forget the state. The eternity of a soul is greater than political correctness. Scriptural accuracy is greater than political correctness. Do you hear me today? God is calling you. God is calling you as a voice for those who don't know who Jesus is. How sad would it be that this is what I always tell people who I know that aren't doing what God has called them to do. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has placed before us souls that we must win to Him. And because we are lacking in obedience to what God has called us to do, we are endangering those souls to hellfire. Just because we're too scared to speak to somebody, just because we feel like this is where you have to stand to preach the gospel. I promise you, and, and I love my pastor, that if my pastor would not have asked me to stand back here, I would never stand back here another day in my life because it's not about this anymore. Amen. It's not about pulpit ministry. I can do more in a prayer closet and have a greater influence in heaven than I can behind here on a daily basis. And that's the mindset we should all have. Would you please stand? Again, this might not have been one of these shouting messages. I get that. I get that. And I'm not even here for your approval, man. I'm not. I'm not even here to say, I don't want you to come up and be like, good word, bro." No, no. I deliver what I feel the Spirit of God is trying to tell the church. He's coming. He's coming. And it's time to stop playing games, man. It's time to stop playing games with the Lord. yes. Yes, he is graceful. Yes, he is merciful. But you just don't know when that grace and that mercy will run out for you. You don't know when the aid, the the dispensation of grace finally comes to an end. Come on, it's time to make up your mind. Do you want to serve the Lord? Who is on the Lord's side? It's time to make up your mind. I'm done playing these games. I'm done with cycles of deliverance and back to oppression and addiction. I'm done with that. I'm done with writing. You know, some people will get to heaven by writing the altar of grace. And that's awesome. But God has called you to more than cycles of addiction. He's called you to more than that. I feel like most, some of the church will never get to what God has called them to do because they can't get out of the Father, forgive me for this same sin on a continuous basis. Get some accountability into your life. Yeah. Have a friend call you and check on one another and say, man, are you reading your word? Are you praying? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. For those of you who don't know Jesus, this is my question to you. What are you waiting for? Today, today, everybody say today is the day of salvation. There is nothing you can do out of your own merit to make yourself worthy enough in the eyes of God. It is he and he alone who can cleanse you of your sin. I used to be like that, man, I can't go to church, I can't do this, I gotta stop drinking, I gotta stop smoking, I gotta do all this stuff before I feel good enough to even come before God. But one day, I'm thankful the Spirit of God began to pull the strings of my heart, and I came running toward mercy, and running toward grace, and I didn't care whether or not I could help myself, but I allowed the Lord to change my life. What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you begin to release your presence and conviction in this crowd. Father, I pray that you begin to search hearts even now. You are the one who will lead us into our truth, Spirit of God. You are the one we cannot lie to. I pray that you begin, Father, even now, to show us who we really are. Father, I pray that you begin to make us a bride without blemish and without spot. Father, I pray that those who don't know you as Lord and Savior may come today and give their lives to you. That there will be no hindrance, Father, for them knowing Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, now I open up these altars, Lord, that we may seek your face, that we may have a baptism of repentance in our lives, Lord, and that you may bring refreshing into the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the altars are open, and if you would, I pray you come and just release your prayers into the Lord for desire for change. If you're struggling with something, come come find us. We'll pray you through it. If you don't know Jesus, I pray today may be the day that you give the Lord your life and that you encounter his deliverance and his freedom. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to OurFathersHouseKY.org.